Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause, the podcast for growth-oriented entrepreneurs and executives who aspire to create positive change in the world. Are you in business for more than just profit? Then like and subscribe today and join our channel to become a hustler for a cause. Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause. Today, we're honored to have special guest Nicholas Sandoval. Nicholas is the founder of Create Purpose, a nonprofit that's changing how we think about nonprofits. Before Create Purpose, Nicholas was the founder and president of a successful energy consulting company and a passionate volunteer when he recognized the need for change. That's when he founded Create Purpose on a mission to teach orphan and vulnerable children in Tijuana to thrive and pursue their own purpose. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No, it's an honor to be here, man. Congratulations, the year anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe it's already been a full year of doing this, and it's been such an awesome ride. And I can't imagine meeting at people like you all the time has been a really special and I hope really motivating for the audience to, to know that this is something that they can really go and they can do this too. You know, they can make a difference. Definitely. So, um, yeah, I mean, where did it all start for you? You touched on it. Volunteering was it now 15 years ago. Um, was invited to an orphanage trip with with the church group, and it just sounded like something I would wanted to do at the time. I was at that point in my life, early 20s. I was volunteering at a bunch of places: food kitchens, shelters, veterans, old uh, veterans homes, old people's homes. I'm just kind of just trying to give back to how I knew how. Uh, and then when I was invited to this orphanage trip, it was just different. It changed my world, man. It, it, you go down from I'm from. Southern California originally. You drive from Southern California to Ensenada, which is in Mexico, which is like a three-hour drive. It was so weird when we, you step out of this van and you're just greeted by 30-some kids from ages zero to 18. And they're they're just kids. They just come up and they just want to play and hang out, ask you all these questions. And right then, like, it just kind of hits you this different reality. This, like, like I was sold. You had me at orphan. You know, and it's been weird because the first almost eight years of my volunteer work was volunteering like we think of when we think of orphanages, man. When we think of orphans, we think of that Sarah McLaughlin song in the arms of an angel, you know, a dirty kid, tears running down their face. For a dollar a day, you can feed and clothe this kid. And it's so interesting. So that's what, so I would go down and help how I could. And I would paint and give food and clothes and, and did that good part of eight for eight years. And then one day I was, now I was guiding trips to my business was taking off and I joined the board of directors of an organization. And so I was starting to guide Mm -hmm. these bus trips down to Mexico. And one of these bus trips, this kid came up to me, Octavio comes up to me and get out of the van and I'm watching like a proud papa, everybody uh, get out of the bus now, you know, 50 people, volunteers, great hearted people just want to change the world, want to make a difference. And it was so interesting because they're unpacking all the food, all the toys, all the clothes, and I remember on this specific trip, the star of the trip were these cupcakes, these cupcake pop. And they, everyone was talking about it. That was the star of the show. I kid you not. And Octavio comes up to me and he's like, I 
I knew Octavio now probably four or five years at that point. 14-year-old kid. He asked me, hey, what'd you bring me? And what was funny at that time, I looked at Octavio and he was just behind. I mean, most orphan kids are just behind across all spectrums. Octavio especially, he was behind academically, getting horrible grades, behaviorally, always in fights, emotionally. I mean, this kid was, I mean, he just behind the eight ball. just had everything stacked against him. And I'm looking him ask this question and I go back and I look at the bus and we're on we're unpacking cupcake pop and I'm looking back at Octavio and I'm looking at these cupcake pop oh man bring you anything and so I promised him that day him and he had two brothers I promised um, Octavio that day that I was going to bring him something and I had no idea what that something was going to be and he runs off and he's excited because he thinks I'm talking about like a video game or a cake or something and I sort of commit made a commitment to him but more to myself like I was going I was going to find a different, just a better mousetrap because when yeah. we have set the bar so low when it comes to orphans, as long as they have food in their bellies and clothes on their back and a roof over their head, they're good. And over the years, what I found out over those eight years with these kids are not good by any means. All of them are behind. The, I hate to say all. I hate to use words like all and never and yep. none, but vast, vast majority of children of orphan kids are behind. They're behind academically, behaviorally, physiologically even. They get passed from grade to grade because they get bad grades and they're sort of a problem child in class. So the teachers just don't want to deal with them. So they get passed to grade to grade. Oh, wow. They're falling further and further behind. And then they leave the home, the orphanage at 18 with zero skills, nobody to go to. And so where do they go? I mean, they're in, on drugs and gangs and cartel mm -hmm. and violence. They're prostitution, jail, pregnant, early age. And to have to build a better mousetrap. And actually, I never, I never desired to start because that wasn't my wish. I actually want to just join another board of directors. They're, okay, who's, I looked around, there's got to be someone focused on orphan development, making sure that when they leave the home, they actually have a chance. And I looked around and everyone's doing the same thing, man. We're all giving plastic toys, unnutritious food, secondhand clothes that we don't even want anymore. We have set the bar so low. And it was at that time, I love the title of your show, Hustlers for a Cause. At that time, I had an energy consulting company. I was a partner in a social media company. I was real estate flipping. I owned a uniform company. I mean, I was just hustling. I was a Rotarian at the time and uh, from in the Rotary Club. One of, and there's a lot of wisdom in Rotary. And there, one of the guys who I was getting to know asked me what I do. And so I'm kind of proud and, you know, puffing up my chest because, you know, I'm a successful at this time, 31 year old, 32 year old man telling him all, all these things I do. He was like, oh, wow, I'm expecting him to be impressed, right? He goes, mm -hmm. he goes, imagine if you just focused on one thing, how successful that would be how powerful that would be and that one comment stuck with me stuck with me and and little by little i was like man okay i didn't want to do energy consulting anymore and like i not that i didn't want to do it it's just man am i passionate was i passionate about it no what i was passionate about was going down to mexico and trying to put my grain of salt into this bigger into this bigger sand like trying to do what i could to change the lives that change the world for these kids and it was just the perfect storm doors open that needed to be open doors closed that needed to be closed and create purpose just kind of it was birthed on November 14 2014 um, specifically just to to help develop orphan children to make sure what they left the home that they had a better chance than what they do now yeah I listened to your TED talk too and like the whole idea of like the butterfly concept and the butterfly effect and everything it just it's wild and I appreciate you sharing more of the story here than I've heard in the past even on other podcasts and stuff I mean that's 
it's really special to know there are like, there's the moments that you remember and there's like the story that you tell and that you mm-hmm. share. And then there's all those little things that happen mm-hmm. in between, right? That really are these actual, they're like, they're the real deal, the little pieces that actually make you make the change, you know, and go all in. Mm-hmm. So like, so tell us about like, even that, that thought of like going from here you are, you're living the life, Redondo Beach, you know, you've got it made. And even if it was, I could go all in on any one thing, what's that one thing going to be? Even doing that in some way personally is a little bit scary, right? Because like you give up so many things that you think are so important to you or you like give up, like you even gave up like your life on the beach, right? To go down to Tijuana. So like, what is that decision making process like for you? And yeah, how, what kind of advice would you share? Well, it was funny because that was when I originally started Create Purpose, I tried to build it from my laptop beachfront in Redondo Beach in my apartment. And for six months, I was like, yeah, I'll do this from Redondo and would drive down once a week, maybe twice a week to make connections. And But it was just slow going. And I mean, when you, there's this concept, burn the ship, right? To, um, I forget, there's, I want to say Cortez, when he was conquering or going into battle, he was outnumbered, outmanned, uh, outgunned. You know, his men were scared and he, he burns the ships because it's like, hey, we're either, we're either winning or we're dying. And it was in that moment, it was about four months into it where I realized like, man, I, we're going, we're, bu- we're building and we're building slow, but I hadn't burned the ships yet. And so it was at that point, like, okay, you know, I kind of sold the businesses, stopped the consulting. And what the process was to believe kids, man, I just, at the end of the day, it's like, they got nobody. It was, there was no process. It was just jump. It was a leap of faith, honestly. If I kept on thinking about all the people in these children's lives and you have the directors of homes and the caretakers of homes who mean well and are great intentioned and they're doing the best they can. You know, they're doing the best they can with the resources they have, with patient or lack thereof that they have. And then I think about all these other people who really care and who really want to help and they just have no idea. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just, they're doing what's been done before them. They're doing whatever, you know, the leaders of organizations are telling them to do, whatever toy drive, whatever clothes drive they have. And so when you look at all this and finally, when I kind of decided like, man, we're going to be that change. We are going to flip the script on how we serve orphans, period. And when first I made the, the leap just to start the organization, but it was that leap of faith where it was like, man, I just believed in these kids. And I believe that people cared enough, you know, and I, so I, I I would, I would like to say there was a better decision-making process. It was go, go big or go home, you know, go all. And when I was all in, like I'm all in. And I think the best advice is like, man, to follow your passion, to follow your your purpose, really. Like, what is your purpose? When that um, David was his name, who's told, who said, imagine if you had just done one thing, how strong and how powerful that would be. Yeah, it really kind of makes you think when he told me that it was like, what am I? What is, what would I do? What would that focus be if I could choose one thing? Like, what is my purpose? What is my passion? And if you're going to be passionate about something, give it all your passion. And I remember a Rotarian at the time, I had gotten a lot of advice, you know, some I took, some I didn't. The common theme that, you know, in the Rotary Club, I mean, the average age is, you know, 70 years old. And there's a lot of wisdom in there, especially my club at the time. And it was the, the one common thread was, God, you're so young, do it now and you'll have lived your life of purpose. Yeah. And, and that's strong. And I love what I do, man. I love, I absolutely love the, our team is, we built this incredible team who is all passionate about 
about this, you know, about changing the world for these kids, because you can't go to an orphanage and you can't see an orphan without like wanting to do more. And once you kind of have found out like, wait, yeah, plastic toys and pizza parties and used clothes just aren't going to cut it. Like, yeah, obviously that makes sense. Different about orphanages and orphan children is that, like I I told you before, I don't like saying never and always. We were told by the processing, the government agency that goes sort of, that does this, that 100% of these kids, all of them, 100% of these kids have experienced significant trauma in their life. To the point where, I mean, to get to an orphan of stuff has had to happen. To for you to actually, for the government to take you, remove you from wherever situation or to from family for whatever and put you in an orphanage. Like a lot of trauma, traumatic stuff has had to happen and then we're just giving them plastic toys like oh kid you're good i think yeah so vice maybe it's not orphans for you (laughs) maybe it's something else you know but whatever it is leap it's awesome and um i think there's a there was a point that you kind of glossed over there a little bit that um i mean we're, we're talking about it a little more but like when we talk about like the kids lives after the orphanage like yeah tell me more about like what really happens there and how does create purpose change that conversation and change those child's lives when they come out of the orphanage yeah i should preface it by saying we don't really know there's not any research that's been done right there's not there there's no one who's like hey there's more research on trees than there are about children especially the you know and it's just more research about puppies than there are about orphan kids. Like, I kid you not. One, we don't know, but two, I mean, being in this space, we have a pretty good idea what happens to them. Nothing good. So in orphanages, it's kind of interesting to see the children go through these stages in life at the home. Up until about eight or nine, they're at camp. Like, hey, there's all these kids, Mm -hmm. I'm always playing, and and camps range versus strict to fun, and some are really regimented, and some are really, you know, fun and free, but they're just at camp. And then you got, and then it starts to get a little weird, because they realize oh wow this is you know i'm here and this just gets gets a little weird for them but when they hit puberty about 14 15 that's when it really gets hard because they know at 18 they're they're going to be kicked out the vast majority are going to be kicked out there's there's some special circumstances if they go to college or but most of them get kicked out and so and then they start putting two together like oh man i am not getting a grade i'm like and so they act out a lot of them run away Uh, a lot of them that's when girls will try will start to get look for a man and get pregnant um, that's when boys start to talk about like joining gangs and you know getting into some stuff so what happens to them nothing majority nothing good there is a fraction of a percentage that make it and make and I even hate to, to generalize that because they some make it here's what's interesting about about this population of children if they do make it they always give back to the orphanage where they came from. they always give back definitely I I mean time and time and time again I've never seen a child who a mechanic or a teacher or even a doctor or psychologist whatever they are they always it's you know time talent or treasure but they're always coming back to give some sort that's their family it's their home it's where they grew up I think the job at Create Purpose and our job as a team is to just grow the number of children who are capable of giving back. And so that's how Create Purpose gives in, though we don't know what really happens to, to them when they when they leave, and which is really mm-hmm. cool because now we're starting to get into work with universities on both sides of the border to do that research, Ella, to do that research piece and say, hey, let's follow some of these. Let's see what, do a study on them. So we're, we're really working with really some incredible people to, to start that research project. But also for our for instance, our garden-based 
learning program and our nutrition program, they kind of go hand in hand. The one sort of uh, common thread at an orphanage is that they're all malnourished. They they all eat horribly. So either mm-hmm. they're, they don't have enough resources. So they're, I mean, I've seen children cereal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for two weeks at, at a time. Seen what's, I mean, they just don't have resources. At, and at the, under, the other end of the spectrum, you have these orphanages that get a lot of visitors from the United States and they're eating, you have obese orphans. You have obese children because they're eating pizza five days a week and, and cake five days a week because, oh, they just they just want pizza. Oh, they just deserve it. Oh, they need like, core. what kid doesn't like pizza and cake? So with, through our nutrition program, through our garden-based learning program, we're just teaching children where their food comes from and to make just healthier decisions, to make healthier choices. Um, and it, a lot of that work, though, is with the, the orphanage staff because kids don't really get to say what they eat. But with our garden-based learning program, we're just kind of expanding their, their knowledge on where their food comes from comes from because they think it comes from the cupboard, the pantry that's, or this can, or, you know, they, then they're seeing a seed grow and they're like, whoa, blowing their minds. So that's really cool to see. So when they leave the home, they'll have at least that sense of uh, maybe they're not going to all grow their own food, but at least they'll be able to make healthier choices. What I really do like though, Sean, is our tech program has really sort of changed the game for us and how we think how we'll how we think we can help in their in their development after the home. We're building and we've built the process for these children. We have two, a basic and an advanced class. The basic class, we're just teaching children how to turn on a computer, <laughs> how to yep. do spreadsheets, how to type, how to do all, you know, and not all the kids are going to make it to the advanced class. But if they do, we've built the road. We're, we're partners with universities. We have partners with tech hubs. We're building the road to that they have a job. They have that yeah. they have a job. I mean, how, the simplest mm-hmm. things to get them ready for for life. You know, plastic toys. I, they end up in the garbage the next day. Clothes, yeah. secondhand clothes. You should see some of these um, orphanages. They have this room. Every orphanage has this room piled to the top with donated clothes and used. To, they don't need any more clothes. They don't need any more toys. They need opportunities. That's what they need. They need an opportunity to, to get a to just get on the normal playing field. To just man, to just live a normal life. You're absolutely right. I mean, I even I was talking to my wife last night, and I was like, just like toying with her. And I'm like, if you, what is it that you think when you think of like an orphanage? What is it that you think that they need? And she said the exact same thing. Right? It's like they need food, shelter, clothes. Right? But you're totally right in what create purpose is and the whole idea of like, just like, yeah, someone will cover that. We'll help make sure that they're, but if they can learn how their food is actually made, if they can learn how to eat healthier. I mean, you were even, I even heard like the stories you were telling of like, the first time you did that program, the garden-based program, right? Was you had like a, one strawberry that was grown, right? Yeah. And so like all the kids want to eat this one strawberry, right? And they oh, have yeah. to like learn to share, right? Learn to regrow. I mean, like this, it's incredible how much we don't think about when we think about having an impact. Mm-hmm. We all think in a conventional way of what that impact is, just because of what we've heard other people do and things. I think this whole concept and what you're doing is just fundamentally changing the conversation around what giving actually means and this whole idea of giving a chance. Yes. So tell me more about like the tech program there and like what 
you have like a, it's how does the tech program work, right? Because like, yeah. I know you were saying like at an orphanage, there may only be like one or two working computers, right? Yeah. If that's so like, how do you, so how do like start from the beginning? Like, how do you select the students, right? That can come into this program. Yeah. How do they get what they need to be able to start and to learn? And how do they do it when they're like, their time on a computer may be so limited, right? How do they, how do you yeah. build this whole network up yeah. to be able to make this hack? actually a reality. Well, it was interesting because we naively called this a coding program to start. You know, oh, we're going to teach all these kids to code. And man, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, they, like literally teaching them how to turn on a computer. You know, all, yeah. when when you have visitors, so funny, I used to always hear that. Oh, they know technology so well because they would grab someone's phone, put it on mm -hmm. YouTube, know how to work a camera. And that's yeah. their level of technology that they had. Yeah. So how we choose the orphanages that we work with, uh, we partnered with the state government and they put out a call for our nutrition program. Our nutrition programs are their first in because we work with staff, with orphanage staff, we work with orphanage directors, and it really it takes a commitment on orphanage leadership to say, hey, we want something more for these children. Because a lot of orphanage directors are, I mean, that's status quo. They have a job, they're good, they have, it's just, they're the kings of the castle, no one's going to tell them how to live, how to raise their kids, fine. So, you know, we put out that call for a nutrition program. And we have, it's really cool. So we have a wait list now. It took a while, but we have a wait list of about 20 orphanages who want to join our program. So we take uh, 10 orphanages at a time. And those orphanages who really um, excel and excel, just show up, be engaged, be committed, do the work. And then we take those and we offer them entry into our technology program. Cool. So right now we're currently in eight orphanages. I, I wanted to say nine, but I, I think we, we haven't started the, the ninth one yet, but we plan to be on 15 by the end of the year. And really that would just happen this year. We just scale this year for the first three years it was just figuring it out tinkering like what with yep. different programs with different softwares and so now it's last year we went to two and then this year we we're like okay we got it systematized systematized our program to scale and so once the once we you know they've proven themselves in the the, orphan, the leadership has proven themselves in the nutrition program we you know offer them our tech program based on resources the resources that we have and we offer it to every kid over six if you're a child at an orphanage we have a we have a technology class for you what was interesting though, and we found out was one kid, our first time that we offered our technology program, there was one kid who, I'll call him Fernando, and Fernando never came to class. We offer it, but nothing's ever mandatory at Create Purpose. Uh, you kids come because they come. That's cool. They're outside, they're engaged. Everything is project or project-based or hands-on learning. And so all the kids were participating except for Fernando. He'd always just walk by, like kind of, you know, peek into the room and kind of see what we're doing and just walk by. And, and it was so interesting, kind of new, but we didn't like, why aren't we coming in? And he finally shared with us that um, he just didn't want this class to be another disappointment. So he didn't get good grades. I um, mean, he sort of, yeah, he was severely behind. And yeah, he just didn't want it to be another failure in his life. And man, that was hard to hear. That was hard for our team to hear. And what was interesting, so, well, you know, we're not pushing. It was like, hey, but we'd always invite, we'd always invite him until like six months later, Fernando finally decided to come into class. And Sean, he took it to it like a fish in water, man. Some kids, they, they just learn differently. And Fernando, man, he's to give you some guests. To, well, he's the best kid in our coding in our technology program right now. He, That's he, awesome. The director of the home was just telling me she had always just wanted to him to 
have some skill. They were going to, they were hoping that they were going to give him some skill before he left because he couldn't read, he couldn't write. Kids, you know, 12 years old, he was 12 years old at the time. I think he's like a teen now. And now like they're expecting him to be a coder, to be a, you know, a software wow. developer or whatever. He, yeah. he can do whatever he wants to do now, you know, in the face. And that's strong when we're literally like, like, I mean, it's we, the hope and the kind of the, the hope at when we started Create Purpose was to give these children life skills. But now with the technology program, I mean, we're completely changing the game. We're giving these children the skill that they can, especially as you have Silicon Valley is sort of is moving yep. down to Baja, California, because it's way cheaper to get a to get somebody, you know, in to, to code. It's they speak two languages. I mean, it's just so we're taking advantage of that. We're really excited to yeah, to take advantage of this, give these children these skills. And I mean, and it, it all comes down to how do we do it? The, the how is, it all comes down to resources. You know, we put a computer, each home gets 10 computers, our classes are of 10. Um, and then we just cycle the classes. Uh, we, we've had a uh, very fortunate, very blessed to have a donation from Nutanix, um, a tech company. Uh, they gave us hundred computers. So that was really special. We're starting to run out of computers. So, but you know, we, we got a campaign for that though. We're, we're, but we'll talk about that later. But I mean, so I mean, even to get where you are now, right? All right. It's remarkable. This is what you pay for technology and then it just, except for those computers, those are going to, yeah. But, um, okay. So you start with, um, I, when I listened to the TED Talk, right, you started back in 2014, when you, 2017, when you did the 2017 the was the TED Talk, right? Yeah. So that was, you started with like, I think six kids or something for your first course or something, yeah. right? And you're over a thousand kid, uh, kids helped now, over a, a network of over 120 volunteers, right? Yeah. Along with these sponsorships and organizations. So I mean, like, yeah, like, tell me about that. Like, how, just like, how big is this network now? How did this all come to fruition? And like, what's yeah. the next evolution of it look like? I mean, what it's always been, I've always was set out to build an institution. This is not going to work if we're just a small company that has some Facebook followers. We needed help from all sectors of society. Society. No way were we going to do this without government involved because in Mexico, the governments who they're the ones who are in charge of the orphanages. No way were we going to do this. How, we could not do this without academia because I mean, we're, we're heavily, this is a learning program. We're a learning organization. And so to do it without academia just didn't make sense. So our, actually our first partner was um, a university in Tijuana. And I mean, we, we can't even get the conversation started without, you know, without including civil society. And so it's always been about building a network of support since the beginning. Um, now, it's just kind of, I don't think what I was ready for was the amount love that organizations give us, the amount of support that, and I'm not talking about financial, unfortunately, but there, everyone's willing to look to look at this problem through a different lens now. I mean, yeah, anytime I'm, you, you said it, like, okay, yeah, when it's closed toys, like, okay, that's what orphanages, that's what we think of when we think of orphans. But once I say like, hey guys, we need to start talking about like development, like what happens to them after the home? Like, hey, tech or, you know, like, hey, let's start thinking about this logically because these kids are end up like, they're the mm -hmm. ones who are the strain on society. They're the ones who are in jail. They're the ones who are like, you know, who are crossing into the States to try and get make a better, it's just makes sense to think about their development. And so when Definitely. you talk to organizations about that, they're all on board. Um, what's the what's the development of it? What's the where's the next step of it? The next step is just to scale. We have been in the the tinkering process for the last six years. 
figuring it out. We've just been fig honestly just figuring it out because what does that even look like to build a development program for orphan children? I had no, I didn't know anything about academia. I didn't know anything about education or binational partnerships or how mm -hmm. what it even me meant to create a partnership with the university. Like I didn't even. I, to do research like that was just so foreign to me i was just flipping homes and consulting and every <laughs> you know and consulting if you if you're a consultant you know you don't know anything <laughs> <You're Yes>. just, <laughs> like, that's like the one primary qualification right <laughs> yeah and and so like i know nothing i didn't know anything about uh, development yeah. programs for this for kids and then so logically i was like oh we'll put any development program in there and it'll work our kids are special, man. They, they just don't learn yeah. the same. They're all, like I said, they're all behind. And so we couldn't just mm -hmm. put in a development program. We couldn't go to Khan Academy and download this program. And to, it just didn't work because yep. our, our, the children that we work with, our population is we, we have to build a catch all program for the children who don't know how to read, don't know how to write our behavior, yep. our super have bad behavior problems. And then we have to build it for the, the diamonds in the rough, if you will, like have to identify and sort of be able to identify them to, to put extra support and resources behind them. And so we have to yeah. build this catch-all program. So for the first six years, it's just been tinkering to figure out how to do that. Yeah. But by the grace of God, we've had some really incredible team members that have joined us um, from the, you know, from academia to marketing to, I mean, to partnerships and institutional development, monitoring evaluation, um, human resources. I mean, people just really have, man, we just got really, I don't want to say fortunate because we learned how to hire. <laughs> like we learned that we've yeah. learned how to, you know, um, define talent. Um, but at the very beginning, we'd had some really incredible people join us and they that, that the ones that have stayed. And man, we just all have figured it out together. We're all sort of committed to making this, to change the world for these kids. And yeah. so now it's just time to scale. Now it's time. There's 100 orphanages in Tijuana. Mm -hmm. you know, and there's over 30,000 children living in institutions in Mexico. We've got a lot of work to do, man. Yeah, definitely. And tell me a little more about like, we skimmed over it a little bit, but like the whole project-based learning concept, right? How does that work? work and yeah, how long does this project run for whether it's one of the tech ones or one of the garden based ones and how do you keep the kids engaged like are the kids the kids all live in this and homes consistently i assume right so like yeah. do you how frequently does this program run is it like a weekly thing yeah how does that work as long as we're working as long as great purpose is is working on our hands-on programs with the children we'll always be there i mean that's the goal that we're committed to that unless something happens we're, we're in a tech program with you we're going to be there for until you kick us out or resources run out whatever god forbid <laughs> but we're not going anywhere we go we show up two times a week for an hour and a half per class to yeah that's the project will last indefinitely and i should yeah. I, I, I said project-based learning a lot of our, our garden-based learning is project-based learning our tech program is more hands-on how do you keep them engaged that's the that's a better question for our director of programs because to be honest man that that was uh, that's what that was the hardest thing to start it was the hardest thing to start yeah. because the when you have behavior issues you don't have the long the largest attention span and so what we um, she, our director of programs could answer it better, but what I do know is that pro in our tech program, I mean, they're making music, they're, they're making oh. cards for their, uh, the director of the home, their mm -hmm. quote unquote mother, 
you know, they're chatting among with other with other kids. And so it's all it's all has to do with incentivizing, if you will, but also creating projects yeah. to where, hey, they're going to learn these little not, I don't I hate to say to trick them into learning, um, but kind of like that, you know, and yeah. um, and then that once but once they get over that process and they get into our mm-hmm. advanced class, um, I mean, they're learning sequencing, they're learning logic and the, the basics to coding. And so it, cool. so, yeah, we kind of but because not every kid's going to go get into our advanced class. We know that if you're not, if, yep. if, if we don't have your attention in the basics, we'll at least make, we'll at least get you to learn how to type. We'll at least get you to learn how to turn on yeah. a computer to, I mean, you're way behind. You're probably not going to catch up, you know, but at least we can get you closer. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. I mean, it's a tough to keep anyone's attention these yeah. days, let alone, you know, this trauma based kids, but we have, we keep our classes small um, and we have uh, like, I, I don't hate going back. I love going back to them. We have an incredible yeah. team and our team of facilitators are incredible. They're all, you know, in tech and they're all developers themselves and, and, you know, teaching these children and they just love it, man. And I love seeing, I love, you know, sitting in on a class. It's been, it's really cool to see these, these aha moments. These mm-hmm. children daily have these aha moments when they figure it out and they yeah. don't have a lot. They don't, they don't have a lot in school, honestly. And um, so it's really cool to see they, them have them. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine that that becomes even addictive for the children too. to like, you know, you always like, cause I mean, coming back, like my background, right. Came in coding, right. We're like, same thing as like learning to use a computer initially, like you figure something out and you just get this, like that dopamine rush. Right. And yeah. it's like, now I need yeah. to like figure out the next thing and the mm-hmm. next thing. And you just kind of mm-hmm. get hooked and keep learning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could really see that, that taking shape. And I mean, it makes me want to like get involved and like start teaching them coding. Right. So like, so for all these listeners out there, right, especially like these like tech founders and stuff like what is the way that like they can get involved and they can help? Can they come down and like teach a class at some point or is it about uh, bringing money in? Like what is the what are the ways that they can they can provide um, assistance here? Yeah, they can impact. Yeah, it's been interesting because a, a lot we ask a lot of people ask if they can come down and um, a lot of professional development people say, hey, can I give a talk or can I and it's no. <laughs> no, we have a program. Like we have teachers, we hire facilitators who are qualified to implement our curriculum. Like it's not going to an orphanage and playing with kids. It is teaching a child our whatever it is that whatever it is on the curriculum that day. Um, and so it's we're we're committed to to the development of these kids. Um, at first, we we did we were saying, hey, come down, and people would kind of just try things out, and that it was more of the same. It was more of Felt, felt like we were still painting homes back, you know, painting orphanages back then. Until yeah. we really got a solid program, now we have our processes in place and systematize those processes to be able yeah. to scale yeah. to different or, or orphanages. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what the bread and butter is. That's sort of the magic bullet is the systematization of processes. Definitely. Um, and how can you help? Is man, it's funding. It's what we yep. were only able to get to more orphanages and more orphan children to develop more children, to serve more kids, to change more lives based on our funding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually are launching a campaign. Uh, probably by the time this airs, it will be out for a thousand computers for a thousand orphan kids. That's the goal mm-hmm. because without, I mean, without computers, then what do we got, especially in this age, you know, with, with distance learning, well, everything that we're doing right now is distance learning. 
And it really bodes well for us because we're able to be more efficient with our, our curriculum, with our pro programs. And we, we weren't sure how the children were going to take it to go, you know, to go all virtual, but we haven't missed a beat, man. So we're really excited. So now it's just scaling, like we're going back to scale. 30,000 kids in Mexico and the name of our organization is actually Create Purpose Worldwide. So after Mexico, I mean, there's a lot of orphanages, a lot of orphans in the world, 150 million. Definitely. Yeah, I'm not going to say we're going <laughs> to we're going to get to all of them, but man, I'm going to try. And so and yeah. so that's the it's the scale. We need computers. Uh, we need more facilitators. But yeah, thousand computers for a thousand kids. The first goal. It's awesome. So um, I always love to wrap up the conversation asking um, this one question and that is if you could make everyone in the world do one thing differently after today's conversation what would it be think differently about orphan kids think bigger uh, we gotta get that sarah mclaughlin image out of our mind we've gotta giving them food and giving them clothes the clothes end up the clothes we don't even want the toys end up in the garbage the food's not nutritious like we gotta raise the bar think of it like our kids like you wouldn't give you wouldn't give your kids that to pizza parties every day. You wouldn't give your kids used clothes. Like and even if they did, so like, man, just think differently. You want to make sure you want you would want this world to, I guess, be more fair. Um, we we're always trying to you know be the change you want to see in the world, but yet we're still giving these handouts. And we think at Create Purpose, it's a handout versus a hand up. Like just think bigger about orphans. Give them a hand up in life. And man, that's the only way we're going to change this world together. Definitely. Really well said. And um, yeah, so where can everyone go to learn more about your um, 1K Computers for 1K Kids campaign? And where do they help? Facebook, look um, for us on Facebook, Create Purpose. You'll see us. We're the light. We're the one with the light bulb. Um, you can also go to createpurpose.org. Uh, our campaign's not up there yet, but on Facebook, you'll be, we're going to bombard you with it. But it's also going to bombard you with really cool stuff too. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Nick, I did it. I, I said I wasn't going to do it. And then I called you. Oh, Nick. good. It's fine. Tom. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just edit all that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Nicholas, Whoa. thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been um, awesome to have you here. I can't wait to have you back and to hear about, you know, when you've reached those 30,000 kids. Amen. That's uh, super Amen. exciting. Th thanks for having Sean. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> really appreciative. Again, congratulations on the year, on the year anniversary. Man, forward many more years yeah. to listen to you. Awesome. Definitely. I'm looking forward to many more years of hearing about you guys growing and um, getting involved. Thanks, so. thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Hustlers for a Cause. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss a new episode. This helps us keep interviewing incredible individuals and sharing their remarkable stories with you. This episode of Hustlers for a Cause was brought to you by Blabberjacks. If you're an influencer that's creating meaningful change in the world and you're looking for help increasing the reach and distribution of your message, contact Blabberjacks today. See you next time on Hustlers for a Cause. Until then, keep hustling.